What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, been a while since I actually recorded a, a solo episode here. I uh, took a little break, and then I recorded with uh, Nick Cosmiter last week, so thank you all for bearing with me. I don't have a ton uh, to talk about right now, but I wanted to bring up something that... Uh, um, was kind of thought-provoking and at the same time very obvious, and that was Goran Dragic's interview uh, with a, I think it was uh, some place in Bulgaria, thing, something like that, and he was talking about Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic, and uh, here is basically what he said, and I'm going to start off with the quote, and then I'm going to spend the rest of the podcast giving the my take on it. Um, he said, Jokic's ID IQ is such that he's messing with them out there. Dragic told Sportal, um, Americans are pushing their way forward through marketing and that's all normal. But when you put everything on the floor, it's a different story. Jokic is not fast. He doesn't jump and, uh, that gets up their noses. How can a man play like this? They NBA players are all in good shape. You don't need to have 6%, uh, you need to have 6% body fat. You need to jump. And I think it gets on their nerves. How can Jokic and Luka play like this? Um, it's an interesting uh, kind of perspective and quote um, that uh, Dragic had there. And the reason I bring it up is this. Um, I said this on a podcast about three years ago, I think, two, three years ago, where the the issue Jokic has is not a – it's – in my, there could be a little bit of it, but I doubt it. I think it's more a athleticism thing, as Dragic is pointing out here. I think the fact, and you see this mentioned when you look at the 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 shows that are on uh, the like ESPN and Fox and all those, and even NBA TV. Um, they're they they have a hard time computing. Jokic because it it's it's doesn't fit into our notion of basketball players the last oh I don't know 25 years or so um Jokic doesn't fit into that that box um and it doesn't help that he is European um I have little to no doubt that if Jokic was American um, the resistance to him, and and even I mean I don't think Doncic gets as much resistance as uh, Jokic does. I think Doncic is actually a lot more loved than Jokic is. Um, but I think that the resistance to Jokic, um, wouldn't be as big if he wasn't um a, a European player. And uh, I'm removing, like I said, I'm removing. The fact that he is a white European from this, um, it I think, in my mind, it has more to do with the fact that he is European, and I think that where I have come to the conclusion is that it's it's Europe the combination of being European and not uh, our definition, our common definition of, of fit and athletic. I think that is what goes against him. Because people have a hard time with that. Remember, there was the uh, what was that that Canadian? Someone, I think, I think a, a guy in Toronto, a reporter in Toronto, said that uh, 
Um, Jokic looked like a seven foot tall bag of milk, which a bag of milk is a very Canadian thing. You can only get that in Canada. Um, bags of milk. Um, but, uh, you know, it was this description of this lumpy guy who um, was dicing up people just by thinking two steps ahead of them. Um, and there's a lot of what I would consider uncomfortable conversation that goes with, with the, some of the implications and the coverage of Jokic that I'm not going to get too deep into. But what I will say is the primary thing, the two primary things, and they're almost equal, is the fact that he is not from the United States, uh, is European, and he's not athletic. Okay. Um, I think, I think the, the lack of athleticism, as uh, Drogic was pointing out, is probably the thing that a lot of NBA ballers don't necessarily look at him and say, okay, this guy shouldn't be doing what he's doing. Uh, and I think there's a resistance, the mental block, to Jokic um, being uh, a guy who is as good as he is and not looking um, athletic. You know, people forget that Giannis Antetokounmpo is, is, uh, European. And one of the reasons they, um, well, he's European by way of Africa. Um, but he is, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the things that they, they kind of, this tells you something about the athleticism. One of the reasons they forget that he is, um, doesn't have that part of his heritage and culture is because he is really athletic. And um, I think if Jokic was an extremely athletic player, um, a lot of the other stuff and the resistance to him would, wouldn't necessarily be there. Um, he is perceived a very specific way. And a lot of that, some of some of that was Jokic himself. It was shortly after he signed his extension in eighteen nineteen that he began. He kind of ballooned up and he started gaining weight, and uh, that kind of peaked in the nineteen twenty season before uh, the the uh, um, shutdown due to COVID. Um, in the first couple of months, Jokic was extremely out of um, out of shape, and in fact, you know, there's that famous picture of him talking to the press and he's got the he's got his uh elbow on his on his thigh and he's you know it's kind of talking and he's just he looks extremely overweight for him and uh it was something that people like immediately glommed onto and i don't honestly i'll, I'll be honest with people that is the image that people can't shake and after he destroyed um uh uh, one of the Morris brothers, was it Marcus Morris? Um, that he uh, uh, shoved in the back. Um, he then called him a 300-pound sloppy fat boy. Well, that's not Jokic anymore. Um, but it's hard for people to shake that image that they got from him coming in. And they don't, they, they think, they look at him and they think Greg Ostertag, not Greg Ostertag, uh, Brian Reeves. Okay, maybe these modern players don't think of Brian Reeves. But a lot of the older media members who cover um, Nikola Jokic probably have Brian Reeves' big country in their, in their head when they think about Nikola Jokic. And I think that's a disservice to Jokic um, because Jokic has always been a, a guy who just thinks ahead of you. And, and, and look, that is, there is nothing. There are, have been players 
who think two steps ahead uh, throughout throughout history. Uh, Magic Johnson uh, thought that way. Um, you know, a lot of the great point guards of the 70s had to think that way because it was more of a point guard-based league uh, where they had to run the offense and uh, uh, set people up. Isaiah Thomas was really actually a very great thinking man's point guard. Um, there was... Um, you know, players, I mean, Andre Miller, Andre Miller was a thinking man's point guard, not the most athletic. Uh, Andre Miller, um, was managed to have a tremendous career for a long time, uh, just by thinking two steps ahead. And and those types of players are probably end up being the most underappreciated players in the league, uh, because there is a, a kind of, and I think Drogic is right in this kind of sense. You look at things, you know, it, there's a visual aspect to basketball that you don't necessarily get in football, um, definitely not in baseball, uh, and maybe a little bit in hockey, but not really. And a lot of that has to do with how close you are to the action in the NBA. You are on top of the players. It's the most intimate sport. So you are visually taking in all these the players all the time and the players are in closer contact on on a routine basis in the NBA than any other sport it is um, it is visually first is visual first everything else second and from the fans to the uh, media to the players themselves you cannot help but be visually based and a lot of these players when they're confronted with Nikola Jokic are confronted with the fact that he is not your traditionally cut uh, athlete. Um, now, he has improved his physique exponentially since, uh, and I don't think exponentially is the right word, uh, he's, he's um, improved his physique by just leaps and bounds since to the 1920 season. In the, in the, in the in fact, it was during that year he began working out after games and really dedicating himself to reshaping his body and doing the best he could for with what he has. There's there's physiology with all this. Sometimes some guys will never be uh, ever look quote unquote like the model of physical fitness, even they even though they are. Okay, and Jokic is one of those guys. Um, it's just it's it's not one of those things that his body is capable of producing doesn't look like he will be cut like that some people myself include i'm a i can't really include myself in that because when i when i re- really dedicate myself to working out i i, exp- I turn into like this in- enormous muscle man i've got my neck you know becomes the size of a you know a tree stump um it's that that's one reason why i don't work out all the time uh but there is a you know some people's their bodies change differently and react differently to physical fitness they may be physically fit and come in great shape but they don't look like what you would see with other people who are in the same shape i think jj reddick is like that jj reddick uh, was a very physically fit guy but he never really looked like it um, there has been some other players in NBA history who were like that, were very, very fit, but never really looked like they were that because it's just, you know, it's genetics, folks. Sometimes your bodies don't look like that. But in a visual league like this, the Nuggets, and specifically Jokic, are, are yoked with this image of him leaning on his thigh and answering a question uh, before the 2019 
20 season and not exactly looking like the model of physical fitness. And it's, that's never escaped him. And, uh, it's something that I think first and foremost was people think of the other side of it is him being European. Um, European players have never really been given the benefit of the doubt. It took Giannis actually several years for, to get start be really becoming the guy that people think of when they they think of this athletic freak um, because he didn't he needed to grow into his body. Um, but on some of it was he wasn't from here, and there's just there's just a natural for whatever reason resistance for uh, NBA par- players specifically to embrace European players. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Um, some of it, it's not. I can't call it xenophobia. It's just not, you're not from here. I didn't grow. I don't identify you as part of what we do here, because the NBA is, despite being the by far the most international of all NBA or, or of all uh, professional sports leagues that you know that emanate from America. Um, despite that, um, there is a, I think a, a, a resistance to having the, uh, having that aspect of, 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 of not, not necessarily to the exclusion, but not identifying it as part of us. Okay. Um, European players have had the hardest time assimilating into what we do here. They, they have their own league over there. Um, you know, and there's also in Argentina and all that. I mean, it's a global sport. Um, and Yao Ming struggled. Yao Ming struggled with ad- uh, not not necessarily adapting to the NBA, but being accepted in the NBA. I remember Shaquille O'Neal was really, really kind of brutal towards Yao Ming when he came in in 2002. And then over time, they became tremendous friends. Um, and Ming is uh, was a tremendous, tremendous player, a basketball player, but he just it, he struggled with coming through. It's not, it's not a, it's like I said, I can't, I can't go, go, go so far as to call it xenophobia, but I can call it like you're, you, they, we don't identify you as part of what this league is because we grew up in a cult, AAU culture where everyone is together. The, the, there's, there is, um, and, and people discount this, but it's absolutely true. There is a culture in the NBA developed almost entirely around an AAU basketball and coming up through AAU, doing one year of college and getting right into the NBA. But these kids grow up around each other, essentially. That's why there's so many friends who are in the NBA right now. Uh, it's not about the league being soft. It's the fact that they grow up together. They they come up like Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. You are not necessarily from the same area, but you are within the same AAU basketball circuit and you come up through the ranks. All that you are you are with a certain segment of people all the time. And that is why, in my view, that there is such resistance to European NBA players. They are not part of the AAU culture. They are not part of uh, people who come up through the ranks in AAU and youth basketball and basically spend all this time around each other, right? And then these people come in who are very good at basketball, but they don't have no connection to these kids who come up through these ranks and um, are around each other all the time, right? And I think that part is something that, that people miss here. It's the growing up. It's the uh, we are around you all the time. I think if Jokic and uh, uh, Doncic had come into the league 
when they were not into the league, but they played started playing AAU basketball at the right age of I forget what they have which age they're introduced in. I think it's twelve or thirteen. Then they that early youth era period where they start getting a, a, you know incorporated into uh, basketball uh, at, at the AAU circuit. I can guarantee you the acceptance of these players would be far more. It's 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 because in my view and from what I've seen they are outside the circle. There is a circle of AAU basketball and youth basketball that and and who are around each other all the time. They are very much aware of each other and and where where each person is going. And that is the thing that changed the, in the culture of NBA, not the introduction of of Europeans and, and basketball, which is much better than it used to be in the '90s. It was terrible in the '90s, um, but now that they are together, and now that they are, um, um, now that these players are have like this youth circle, that's why they end up being friends. And the players, I mean, even Joel Embiid comes to um, the U.S. and plays college basketball at Kansas, right? He is part of the accepted circle. The, it's the European players who are playing professional basketball and then come over, even though they're young, are still on the outside looking in. They're not part of that circle. And that is a big part of it. Um, so I'm going to take a break. But on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk to you about um, one other feeling that I think Goran Dragic is trying to express here. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'll give you my thoughts on that and uh, kind of wrap things up. And we'll be back right after this. Now I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. Uh, I went there Monday. A good friend of mine, uh, Nate Lundy, took me to uh, to Blanchard, and we just enjoyed it with his wife. We enjoyed a couple glasses of wine and had a good time. Uh, it's a really great place to go in Denver, safe place to go in Denver. Uh, I didn't never felt uh, COVID risky there, uh, to put it to you that way. As someone who is really cognizant of that, um, it's very well ventilated. It's right there in the beautiful dairy block, and I had some great wine. Uh, they no longer have the 2017 Cabernet, which very much is uh, uh, very much disappointed me. But they have other things. They have other varietals of wine coming in that uh, that is really good. They got still got the Blake Street blend, which is actually a blend of uh, Zinfandel, um, Cabernet, and Merlot. It's actually a good little blend. Um, they, it's it's really one of the best places you can go in Denver if you want red. But you got they got whites. They got Colorado selections of wines. Um, they've got uh, some rosés. They've got basically everything you need. Great, great meats, charcuterie. Um, they have this feature with all the Jerry uh, Dairy Block things where you can sample from other restaurants that aren't in the that aren't Blanchard Family Wines. They got available that they can deliver the food to you. It's a really nice little feature while you enjoy your. Uh, time at Blanchard. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. Uh, when you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSU Podcast sent you there. All right. Um, little uh, kind of capper on this thing. And, and this probably goes into the category of Jeff identifying with things a little too much, but, um, the, 
what reading between the lines of the Drogic thing is that there's there's kind of a uh, solitary aspect of of what he was talking about here, in the fact that the, some of the European players are very much part of their own clique. They're part of their own thing. They are not and I was as I was pointing out before with the AAU basketball and how these American players all come up around each other. Well, these European players, all they've got is the fellow Europeans. But specifically in the case of Dragic and uh, Jokic and uh, Doncic and um, Zubats and uh, Marjanovic and all these Eastern European players in in the Balkan area, they all they have is each other, and they tend to stick with each other. and And there's a reason that I I mean I've pointed this out many times before, but there's a reason Vlatko Chanchar is on this Nuggets team, you know. And it, and sometimes it really helps when you are around people who you know and you can identify with and stuff like that. Jokic has the good aspect of being someone who is very um, uh, affable, I guess is the best way to put it. He's a he's a he's a jovial sort. Um, I there is and this is something that, I, that people have asked me before, and uh, I will go right out on onto this. Uh, I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but I don't call Jokic the Joker because I I don't like the nickname, and I don't like the nickname because I think it's based on a a, a pun on his name. And it just, it just never, it, yeah, some of it is a little bit of his personality, but he's not really a jokes guy. He is a, just a, just an affable dude, kind of goofy. Goofy is the best way to call him. But some of it is, he is just not, he's just, it's, it's based on a, like a, like a miss, uh, kind of in, a misnomer of Jokic. It's, it's get, emphasizing the J, call him Joker. He doesn't seem to mind it. I just don't think I don't. I never. I've never cared for it. I've never cared for the name. Um, it has. Uh, it's just a personal thing. That is. That it doesn't. It's not me placing a value judgment on it. But some of that is based on this, like you know, hard to pronounce name for Americans, and there is an aspect of isolation there that is really, um, you know, part of part of being someone who's foreign coming into the NBA. Uh, by foreign, I mean anyone outside the country. Uh, you know, you can um, go with any of the players that the the people who've come outside the United States, even can't Canadians. You know, Jamal Murray is Canadian, but he had the fortune he had the fortune of coming up through AAU basketball. There's there's just there's there is the outside the click thing, and I think a little bit of that what Dragic was talking about is is not being part of the group, not being part of the click, not being part of what the in, these players came up around. Um, clickishness is something that uh, exists in almost every society. Uh, it, it exists in every sport. This is not unique to the NBA. And I think it's a it's it's uh, legitimate to express ish. You know, maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't call it a. Uh, you know, apprehension. I would call it a a kind of like a, a, a statement of fact that we are not in the cool kids group here. And some of that, from what I read from uh, what Dragic was saying, is that is that simply put, Doncic, which I don't think, and I, it's interesting he included John, Doncic in this, because I think Doncic really is the one who is the most included in the cool kids group. 
but definitely not Jokic, def- definitely not Dragic, and and some of the other uh, really uh, the European players that are really excelling. They're not part of that, um, or even um, some of the um, other players that come in. They're not part of that that group. The culture's different, all of that stuff, and the, I, and I think it's natural to kind of feel like an other in that situation. Um, but the, the the good thing is with Jokic is that he was so damn good that he's won back to back MVPs, and I, I think. I think what people miss with this, and I think I'll leave I'll leave it with this, and I really do apologize with the lawnmower in the background here. I really apologize about that. Uh, but anyway, there is I think I think Jokic has kind of done something by blazing his own trail and not caring what other people think about him. And I think I think not having that hang up has served him well. Uh, not everyone can overcome that. Like I said, Doncic's part is almost part of the Cool Kids Club. Uh, Jokic is a very excellent basketball player who has never been part of the Cool Kids Club. And that success should be lauded. And I think we get hung up on what national media thinks, uh, as I was going to point out. We, don't, we it, it shouldn't matter. Whether he gets respect or not, it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter to him. And if it doesn't matter, Jokic, I, I, I have a hard time trying to make it matter to me. Is He just seems like he just plugs along, does his thing. And um, having that, I mean, I think we should be all, all should admire that level of self-confidence. You know, I'm not going to let you dictate to me how I should be feeling about me. I'm just going to be doing what I do. And that kind of level of self-confidence is admirable and probably the best part of Jokic, if you really want to put on it, and which allows him to succeed in the way he does, is the fact that he doesn't care. And I think you, what you heard in Dragic's statement is a guy who kind of cares a little about it. And I think that part is something that uh, we need to take a look at and we need to, to maybe say, all right, well, it's just okay that this guy just doesn't care about this sort of thing. And, and in the grand scheme of things, none of us should. Uh, because what's important is what makes you happy. And uh, everything else will come along with that. And I think, I think Jokic is kind of an example of that. And we should all look at that example more than we should look at what other, else, what other people think of him. Because in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter. And it shouldn't matter. All right. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. Once again, sorry about the lawnmower. Uh, I'll be back soon with another episode, probably next week. Goodbye.